Brought to you by PrayLatin.com, makers of prayer cards featuring complete English phonetic renderings of Latin pronunciations. Some of the prelates in the church are just so tired of meanie, poo-poo-headed traditional Catholics saying not nice things about Francis. That's not new, really. It's evident in the draconian implementation of Traditionis Custodis that the, some of the bishops have imposed and still impose on the faithful. It's evident every time one of the better bishops backs away from association from traditional Catholics, like Archbishop Cordelione has, or when one of the best cardinals in the hierarchy backs away from association with Archbishop Vigano, like Cardinal Seurat has recently. But some are tired of us taking Francis on and defending the faith against internal attempts to subvert of it. So I have the story of the man who would have been Pope under different circumstances taking us all, all on today. The story broke over the holiday weekend, and it didn't get the attention it deserved, which is surprising because of something frankly scandalous the cardinal in question actually said. Something he should either clearly know better on, or there was a language issue at hand. I'm hoping it's the latter. Let's get into this. But as usual, let's check in with Francis and see what absolutely clear and unambiguous words of wisdom he has for us now. From a general audience he gave late last week, we get this nugget of wisdom. Quote, a society, such as ours, which has been defined as liquid, as it seems not to have consistency. I will correct the philosopher who coined this definition and say, more than liquid, gaseous, a properly gaseous society. End quote. That is a strange and mangled statement, and he's making a reference to a philosopher named Zygmunt Bauman, whose name I'm hoping I'm saying properly. He's a Polish philosopher who Francis referenced three times in the last two weeks. That might explain some of the very strange things he's been saying that I've been giving you little bits of here and there. According to uh, uh, Professor Bauman's online biography, he passed away a couple of years ago, he was the kind of writer that Francis, reading his books, really won't be as a, a surprise for any traditional Catholic. Quote, Zygmunt Bauman, born in November 19, 1925 in Poland, and he died in January 2017 in Leeds, England, he was a Polish-born sociologist who was one of the most influential intellectuals in Europe, known for works that examine broad changes in the nature of contemporary society and their effects on communities and individuals. He focused primarily on how the poor and dispossessed have been affected by social change. End quote. It won't surprise anyone to know that this writer comes from the same school of thought as liberation theology. He's not a liberation theologian himself explicitly, but he comes from the same sort of school of thought. And given Francis's alliances with Caesar and the Leonardo Boffs of the world, it's just more of the same. I'm sure some people will say that I don't get it and that I should read the writer in depth, but give me a break. It's like people claiming that I didn't understand Gaudium et Spes when I quoted it last week and called it heretical. I understood Gaudium et Spes perfectly. I've read it a number of times. I had to cite it throughout my doctoral dissertation. I also know that the people who wrote it implemented it and used that document to create the mess in the church today. The same people did that. Things matter in their context, and Francis reading this writer isn't surprising in the slightest. The combination of ideas is where things go awry. I often don't have much nice things to say about Francis. I mean, I'm certainly not alone here. One important prelate who was once thought to be papabile, meaning highly eligible to become pope himself, has taken umbrage with all the voices in the church who correctly understand the dogma of papal infallibility and co have come to recognize that there is in fact something very wrong in Rome these days. 
Cardinal Scola is the prelate in question, and he gave an interview to America Magazine, which always can be trusted to give an unfiltered pro-Francis line about virtually everything, except for when Francis doesn't go far enough for the Jesuits. Its editor-in-chief is Pastor Jimmy Martin of the Jesuit Church, which, who is one of Francis's unofficial voices in America. When he speaks, he's speaking to the laity with the words of Francis. Bear that in mind. Now, in that interview, Scola has an incredible interpretation of what Francis's job in the church has been. Quote, Cardinal Scola remarks in his book that the appearance of Francis as Pope has been a healthy punch in the stomach that the Holy Spirit has used to wake us up. When I asked to explain this comment, he said that he viewed Francis's elevation from the perspective of our churches in Europe that are tired, his personality, his formation, his experience, particularly at Aparecida, where Bergoglio emerged with force and came to our attention. Moreover, his way of personally reaching out to people can even thaw some situations and raise up the church in Europe, which is suffering from tiredness. While there are many beautiful experiences in the church in Europe, there is a real decline in true participation in the life of the church and a decline of the figure of Jesus among our people and especially a decline in their belonging to the Christian community, Cardinal Scola said. So it seemed to me right from the beginning that Francis's style of pontificate was much was like a punch in the stomach from the Holy Spirit to wake us up. End quote. A punch to the stomach from the Holy Spirit. That's one way to put it, though honestly, it's more likely that the stonecutters are responsible for his ascension to the throne of Peter than the Holy Spirit. But a punch in the gut is apt, since it feels like the church has been under siege these last several years, with Francis denying the role of Our Lady as mediatrix of all graces, despite pretty much every pope going back for a few centuries affirming it, even if it has not been formally defined. And no, when Francis uh, rejected it, he didn't formally define it either. His words are not very binding on this matter. Now remember, Francis' greatest hits include telling the faithful to not cling too rigidly to our certainties, which as Catholics can only mean that we should not cling to the rigidities of the faith, since the only certainties we have in this life are those truths of faith that we must believe in order to attain heaven. And his hits include also the notion that there might be sins of a green variety. It's a very strange, strange pontificate, if that's what we have, that we're witnessing right now. But Cardinal Scola continues, telling us to stop attacking Francis, that we must just submit to every little thing he does. What he says here is why some simply choose to reject not only everything Francis says, but also to either leave the church entirely for orthodoxy, or to embrace some variation of Sedevacantism, and I cannot endorse doing either of those things. But listen to Cardinal Scola here. Quote, he noted, however, that some in the church have reacted negatively to Francis's leadership, with what he described as harsh and insolent attacks against the Pope. This is wrong, Cardinal Scola says. As a child, I was taught the expression, the Pope is the Pope, and that one cannot question this. I cannot, cannot accept an attitude that I judge as unjust from the perspective of the Church. Of course, he continued, one can say, with all due respect, that I do not understand this or that choice made by the Pope, but at the same time, one should make every effort to grasp fully what the Pope has proposed. It would be harmful to the Church if it were not that way. Asked what he thinks about his brother cardinals who publicly criticized Pope Francis, Cardinal Scola said, I will say frankly that while I can understand their internal turmoil, and I think all of them start with good intentions, I do not see the necessity to do this, especially in public. As an alternative, there is always the possibility for a cardinal to write to the Pope, <laughs> sorry, to request an audience and to seek to explain himself. End quote. I guess Cardinal Scola forgot about Cardinal Burke. <laughs> 
Cardinal Scola's attitude is that we should simply ask for clarification. And the problem is that we've tried that for years, and we've got virtually nothing from him. And then the Argentinian bishops implemented Amoris Laetitia in the most logical way possible, based on what that heretical document said. And Francis said that the most heretical interpretation possible, based on its text, was the only correct interpretation. Does anyone else remember that? I do. We tried for years to get clarification, and nothing happened. That was the entire point of the dubia. Francis waited until half of the signers of the dubia had gone on to meet our Lord, and then left the remaining signers still waiting for a response to this day. We're at nearly 1,900 days since the dubia was submitted to Francis, and we're still waiting for a response from him. So with respect to Cardinal Scola, we've tried waiting. We Now we stand against everything he does, not only on that topic, but on all the other troubling things he does, including and especially his alliance with the forces of the world that are frankly the enemies of our blessed Lord and his church. The salvation of souls depends on our not asking for clarifications anymore. If we need further proof, how long did Cardinal Zen wait outside of the papal audience hall for Francis and was never granted an audience? How long? But it gets worse. And I pray that Cardinal Scola misspoke here, and I'll, in charity, try to assume that he did, because according to him, Francis is creating dogma. Quote, he attributed the origin of these attacks to the lack of understanding of the great majority of Christians of the, nece of the necessary link between experience and doctrine. Francis is a pope who starts from experience. He starts, first of all, from his own personal experience, and has no shame in communicating it, Cardinal Scola explained, and from there he arrives at the formulation of dogma. For this reason, he disagrees with those people who pit Pope Francis against his predecessors Benedict, John Paul II, and Paul VI. There is a continuity of method on all these popes, he said. End quote. Well, first, Cardinal Scola didn't listen to Francis when he rejected the hermeneutic of continuity in Traditionis Custodis in the accompanying letter to the bishops. The hermeneutic of continuity is dead, leaving only what Benedict called the hermeneutic of rupture. Francis said of a contest, and I agree, for once, what Francis and the post-conciliar era have wrought upon the church cannot be reconciled. We agree on that much. But the real zinger here is that Cardinal Scola claimed that Francis, quote, arrives at the formulation of dogma, end quote, meaning that Francis is making dogma. Again, in charity, I have to assume that Cardinal Scola misspoke because he's not a native English speaker, and he was interviewed by an America magazine for this. But why didn't the interviewer clarify? Because as it stands, that statement is heresy. Popes don't formulate dogma. They preserve it. When necessary, they formally define it. But they never create dogma. So there it is. Submit. It's your Catholic duty to submit, even unto error or so they'd have you believe. The greatest teachers of the faith in the history of the church disagree from St. Robert Bellament to St. Cajetan and many others, but in our times of modernism running the church without check, what the greatest saints had to say on anything seems to matter so little that it's almost funny. But what did you think of Cardinal Scola's words? Let me know in the comments, please, and like and subscribe if you haven't. It really does help. As always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.